Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers. This is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now... Let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to today's program, October 5th, 2010, I think. Yes, uh, Ross Green here. Um, we have an exciting thing that we're trying today, um, something new. It's our first parents' panel Um on which I'm going to be joined the first uh, Tuesday of every month by um, two, three, four parents, of uh, some of whom have uh, had challenging kids uh, a bit in the rearview mirror, if there is such a thing. They've been through it and lived to tell the tale, a few who are still in the thick of it. Um, and we're going to get together for these 45 minutes, the first Tuesday of every month, and uh, talk about their experiences with challenging kids and their experiences uh, with uh, employing and implementing collaborative problem solving in their homes and things that they've run into and their trials and tribulations, etc. So um, we will still be taking callers uh, today uh, during these parents' panel. It's just that you may not just get a response from me. You may get the thoughts of uh, the members of our parents' panel. Um, Three moms, one dad. Today we're going to be joined by two moms, um, uh, our other two parents' panel members weren't able to make it today, but will be joining us uh, henceforth. So as always, these are still your 45 minutes. Um, if you're working with a child at home who's not responding very well to Plan B, if you are just beside yourself and feeling very desperate and not sure what to do, if you're having any trouble with any aspect of doing Plan B, if you're running into trouble getting the folks at school to use collaborative problem solving, if you're having difficulty getting your co-parent or the grandparents, or the coaches to buy in, do feel free to call in, comment, ask questions, get the support you need, or just listen to what's going on with others who are using the collaborative problem-solving approach. If you want to call in, once again, the call-in number is 347-994-2981, 347-994-2981. If you are not the calling-in type, feel free to send me a question electronically or a comment through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website. That's www.livesinthebalance.org. And I'm seeing that we have a caller already today, but I'm going to bring our two moms on the air first and introduce you to some people. We're not going to be using last name, but introduce you to our listeners. We have uh, Susie who um, is the mom of uh, more than one ch- kid with challenges. And we have Sharon, who um, has uh, 
is, is our mom who's got the challenging behaviors in the rearview mirror at this point. Welcome to the parents panel, Sharon and Susie. Hi. Hi, Dr. Green. So we have Hi, both Green. moms on the phone at the moment. Um, who else do we have? Don't say your name. I don't think I've un, I don't think I've put anybody else on yet. Sharon and Susie? Yes. That's it. Yes. Good. Thank you for doing this. You're welcome. Oh, it's our pleasure. Uh, Sharon, um, I'm already speaking for you. Thank you. <laughs> Be my guest. <laughs> do you two want to say anything about your uh, lives with challenging kids before we uh, start talking? Susie, you can go first. Um, all right. I guess I just wanted to say that I'm a stay-at-home mom, um, and as Dr. Green said, uh, I had one child, um, a son, who exploded um, and was and still is uh, very interesting, to say the least. Um, and he's a bit further along now. He's going to be uh, 21 in December, and as we all know, um, chronologically, the age doesn't have a whole lot to do with it sometimes, but we do see improvement along the way. And then we um, have a 16-year-old daughter who imploded um, probably two to three years ago. Um, and she is stabilized now um, and doing better, but she's still in high school and continues to have her challenges. And lastly, the only other thing I wanted to say was thank you, Dr. Green, for having me, and thank you so much for all your hard work and dedication so that we may understand and do something to make things better for our children. My uh, pleasure, and I think we're going to have some fun here. Um, you know, already, Susie, you've raised an interesting point, and that is that um, not a whole lot of difference between imploders and exploders. Um, that, that's what they're doing um, when they are struggling. Um, it's what they're doing when they're running into problems that they're having difficulty solving. They may be exploding. They may be imploding. Um, the real focal point is on what problems are setting those behaviors in motion and what we can do to help them and try to solve those problems. Sharon, tell us a little bit about your life uh, with uh, a challenging kid. Um, I have a 20-year-old son who has explosive behavior um, and learning challenges uh, on the uh, Asperger uh, autistic spectrum. And it's been very challenging because he, uh, by choice, has more of a negative outlook in life as opposed to a positive outlook. He always sees the glass as half empty, and his mother sees it as half full. So it's been a challenge there. Uh, right now he's living at home, taking some college courses. And, you know, we, my husband and myself, have understood he might not be able to be on his own. We hope he can be, but we know we just take every day, every week. He is in a good place most of the time. 
we still have to use a lot of the uh, lessons that we received from Dr. Green to try to keep comments. And it's always an ongoing challenge. Let there be no doubt. So it sounds like what you're telling us, and maybe Susie as well, is that it doesn't end. It's it's ongoing. It's it's always there. Um, but I just I had one thing to add, um, Dr. Green. You were saying that there really is no difference between implosive and explosive children. It was um, interesting to me because. In our household, um, well, I'm sort of a lone wolf in my uh, embracing the collaborative, sorry, the collaborative problem-solving approach. And so, I've been told many times that um, CPS only works for explosive children, and was laughed off that I would be you know, using this for my daughter. Who's not your exploder. Who is my imploder, right? Of course, um, being laughed at for using collaborative problem solving is not terribly unusual. It's not unusual when you're using it with an ex- with an imploder. Certainly not unusual when you're using it with an exploder because, of course, the conventional wisdom is that collaborating with an explosive kid's an explosive kid, I'm talking about the conventional wisdom here, is that you would never collaborate, never negotiate, if you wanted to use that word. Because the goal is, according to the conventional wisdom at least, to teach the explosive child who's the boss. I find that imploders sometimes uh, elicit a little bit more sympathy from adults. But, um, yeah, uh, if exploding and imploding, of course the book is called The Explosive Child, sometimes to my regret, because... um, a lot of people came to the conclusion that if it was the explosive child, then it must not apply to imploders. But um, you've, uh, we might say, had it both ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think have found collaborative problem solving to be helpful in both instances. Yes, I have. What so, exactly is the difference between imploding? What What is imploding? Thank you. Um, well, we all know what exploding is, right? Screaming, Correct. yelling, Um, I don't want to say crying. That could break both ways. You know, imploding and exploding mostly refers to what behaviors a child is exhibiting when they're not able to do better, when they've come across an unsolved problem that has remained unsolved. Um, Some implode, which which would be more becoming anxious, withdrawing, sometimes crying, um, being scared. That's more the imploding end of the spectrum, as they call it. I personally find it to be a rather artificial distinction. Exploding, you know, hitting, kicking, destroying, screaming. There's lots of kids out there, by the way, who who cut across both, in which case it really is kind of an artificial distinction. But um, I guess what Susie is saying is that she certainly had an exploder, um, mm-hmm. which means she had a son who uh, was quite the... Uh, hitter, screamer, but she also has an imploder, which is more sort of depressed, anxious, etc. Do you, do you ever think that the second is the byproduct of having a sibling who's an exploder? I mean, I sometimes feel that way with my my 16-year-old, 
that maybe, I don't know, sometimes I feel like maybe some of the anger or the anxiety that he suppressed over the years having a, a brother that exploded a lot. Now that, you know, he himself is going through puberty, maybe seems to, you know, exhibit some signs of, you know, maybe imploding. Do you think it's related maybe as a sibling thing, or it maybe it all depends, or it can be a totally separate diagnosis? Well, and um, we're not too diagnostically oriented, um, so, but, and it's a little hard to tell sometimes. Is it your son going through sort of an interesting phase of life? You know, right. there's all kinds of points in life where you could go through an interesting phase. Adolescence certainly sometimes counts as one of them. But I guess it's an open question because I think a question that I often get is, what is the, and, and Susie, I'm assuming you have something to weigh in on here as well, what is the effect of um, an explosive kid on their far less explosive siblings? Sharon, what do you, what's your take on that in terms of the younger of your two sons? Yeah, well, sometimes, well, a lot of times he resents sort of the special treatment that he thinks his brother is getting because we try not to get too excited and yell when things happen because we know that just makes things worse. So he wants to know why we yell at him and we don't yell at the at his sibling. What's your so answer I, to that I question? Mean, uh, I try to say, you know, you know how it is. You know he doesn't understand things. And then, you know, he says, oh, he's trying to con you. You know, he thinks um, that sometimes he uh, knows a lot more than he's sharing. And you know, I think it's hard. I think it, it. I think that it's a fine line. I think it's very hard for a sibling to truly understand because, as a parent, it's taken us. It's still a work in process to try to understand our child. So I think you know, for a 16-year-old, he, you know, clearly has lived with this his whole life, but still sort of resents the fact that. We treat them both differently at different times. I mean, they are treated the same in a lot of ways, but sometimes we have to tread a little bit lighter with um, our older son. And I know there's probably a little bit of resentment there. I don't know how Susie feels about that. Sharon, I'm sitting here listening to you and nodding my head. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think that's exactly right. Well, Dr. Green, did you have anything to say that you... Uh, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm sitting back here and listening. And um, it's a pleasure to be listening to two moms who've been through it. I, I know that um, neither of you would have necessarily wished for this. But as I've been saying lately, um, parents of challenging kids are the ones who get to go on the journey mm-hmm. that a lot of other parents don't know even exists uh, and Sharon, you said a key word. You said understanding, um, and you're still trying to understand. But what I find is that parents who have a challenging kid in the home really have to are the ones who have to take a look at who is my kid. I think every parent has to do this, but the, the ones who have a challenging kid in their home almost have no choice. Who is this kid? How come what I'm doing with my other kid isn't working with this one and, in fact, is making things worse? Um, and I find that a lot of parents and teachers – learn a lot about people on the way to coming to an understanding of their challenging kid. So, uh, Susie, go go ahead. Um, I think that you have some experience in this realm in terms of how explosive kids affect their siblings. 
Yes. Um, I, I just wanted to touch on the um, issue of your with conventional wisdom, you're trying to teach the kid who's boss and might may make right, but in uh, in doing so, I don't think you really understand that that message is never going to get through with a challenging kid. Um, and as far as your challenging child's behavior influencing your family. I've always tried to view it as a family problem. Um, I try very hard not to point fingers or blame. Um, but, yes, of course, it certainly affects um, the siblings. And um, just until you get more experienced with the model, um, well, things are pretty bumpy, and I think the uncertainty and just the um, volatility of the child and who um, who in your family is going to be on the receiving end of, you know, those emotions or however he expresses himself um, is is just very, very difficult. I'm not sure if that helps, but... Um. Sharon, what do you say to your non-explosive one when he says, um, how come you treat him different? Um, I try to say I don't, I said, because both of you are individuals, and I can't treat you both exactly the same way. You both have different needs. You both have totally different human beings, and... Um, you know, Michael needs to, I shouldn't say, but needs to be treated a certain way. And um, you, on the other hand, understand the rules. You get it. You know how to listen and go to school and, you know, make friends. And um, he has difficulty with that. So I can't, you know, be exactly the same with both of you. I have to try to cater to both of your needs as best as I can. How's he uh, take to that message? Um, sometimes he gets it, and sometimes he rolls his eyes and shrugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I point out to he sometimes he has a tinge of compassion, but for the most part he is not the compassionate sibling I hoped <laughs> he would be. So I think um, he, you know, it's a work in process. He doesn't really, um, you know, want to go out of his way to, you know, be helpful. You know, they have their sibling rivalry, and um, my older son wants to get his way or wants his brother to do something with him. Um and he's really anxious and really wants him to do this with him, play a game with him on Xbox or on, on the computer. Um, you know, my younger son won't give in, even though he knows. You know, so sometimes I think he tries to, you know, pull his strings a little bit as well. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't feel he should get his way. And it's and, an and ongoing you know uh, is, challenge. 
What's interesting is what you're describing exists in families that do not have an extremely challenging kid. Exactly, I'm sure. Siblings give each other a hard time. Siblings think that the other sibling is being treated um, either better or worse, Um, even in families that don't have an especially challenging kid. Uh, So it's kind of interesting. I think that the price parents pay when all of that usual stuff goes on is a higher one because um, the behavior is more extreme on the part of the challenging kid. Right. Now, does Su- Susie has a boy and a girl? Actually, a son we and a daughter. Have, um, two boys and our daughter. And um, what's the relationship with like the three of them together? <laughs> well, I think a few years ago we were at your stage of things, and it's very difficult. Um, it's just really difficult to... Are they all at home? No, to hammer home the point that mm-hmm. I'm not going to treat you all the same because you're yeah. different. And, um, you know, I just always found extremely helpful in Dr. Green's book about if the if one of the kids had a problem with math, then you get them a math tutor. And... Um, the other child's problem was something else. You'd help them in that, and they just, for some reason, I guess because of the sibling uh, relationship, it's just it's very difficult for them to uh, really understand that. I I will say it gets better as they grow older. Um, the oldest is away, and the middle son, who um, was our very challenging. Um, you know, explosive child um, is also away at school now. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that helps tremendously, and um, it's it's been great. I've got to say, just to be able to focus on our one daughter and try to attend to her needs, but yet wow. not smother her and you know let her take the lead when she wants to. Right. Well, my older son was in high, was in um, boarding school for high school, mm-hmm. and um, so my younger son was the one in the house. And you know, he was very lonely. He missed his brother. So then, of course, his brother came home on weekends, and he couldn't wait for him to go back on Sunday. Right. <laughs> so you know, you just uh, you can't win. You can't win. So here's what I'm going to do. We do have a caller mm-hmm. um, who I'm going to bring on. And uh, I also have some emails that I thought would be good for us to uh, talk about a little bit. But I hate to have callers wait. Callers take top priority in this program. By the way, for those of you who are listening, um, while Sharon and Susie have kids who are at the older end of the childhood range, our other two parents who weren't able to join us today have kids at the younger end. So um, if you're feeling neglected because you're challenging child is at the younger end of the range uh fear not in our next parenting panel parents panel we will have parents of younger kids on as well but let's bring on uh our caller from area code 914 um you're on the air uh today with me sharon and Susie. what's on your mind um hi yes uh 
Coincidentally, my question was about my children's relationship with each other. That is a coincidence. Yeah, coincidentally. (laughs) So anyway, I'll just describe the situation. My oldest, the son, um, would be the uh, rigid personality, let's say. He is a rules follower. So the most important thing to him is that you adhere to the rules. His younger sister is not. Um, And so he goes around really reprimanding her all the time. And I would say many of his issues are legitimate, but it's really, it's his tone of voice, it's the way he says it, it's, you know, he just doesn't let up on her. And so when I go into the collaborative problem solving, I'm not quite sure what I want to say, you know, ideally what I'd like out of him is if you have a problem with your sister, say it once and then drop it, just, you know, let it go, but he really can't. Um and he likes to, he, if, if he was in charge, he would be doing plan A all the time. Any so thoughts? Well, let me, let, me, uh, let me not jump in here. Uh, do you mind if uh, <laughs> Susie and Sharon comment a little? Go ahead. And then I'll jump well, in. I have, the, I have the exact same, exact same situation in my house, and it drives me crazy because my oldest son starts in, about you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, you know, all the kids in school are potheads. All, you know, he just generalizes about everybody that does something bad. And and he'll tell my, you know, even, you know, don't drink diet soda, it's going to kill you. And he just goes on and on every time there's diet soda in the house. And, uh, you know, I just have to over and over say you have to worry about yourself, we'll worry about you know, your brother. And yes, your points are very good, but you can have, every, there are things you can do in moderation. You know, of course, I'm not, not referring to the pot, but I'm just saying things, you, you have to try to be a little bit less black and white, and there are some solutions, but we have this ongoing thing as well, so I totally relate to what you're saying. I feel like when Do you I, want to weigh in? Uh, yes, but did the caller want to say something? Yeah, go ahead, caller. Um, I was saying when I, I feel like when I try and jump in and tell him the other perspective, it almost makes him more angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get yelled at. I get yelled at too. But if I calmly just say, I, I try to calmly say, you know, that is a good point, and yes, you're right. But you know, these are things he has to figure out himself, and you know, we are there to guide him and. It's okay to have a little bit of this in moderation. You know, I do it calmly. I, I try not to get excited and let him get me going because sometimes I think that's what he'd like to do. Hmm. Okay. Um, I'm on the bandwagon with both of you. Uh, I have our oldest is very much of that nature, and um, and all I can say is. I have just, it's a conversation that's ongoing and uh, constantly repeated that, um, well, thank you very much for your input and, um, you know, we think it's a good idea if you just try to take care of yourself and Daddy and I have this one covered. Um, But I think I'd like to know a little more specifically or are, can you think of specific instances 
when he starts in, um, when the older one starts in on the younger one, does does something, you know, happen that? Um, I, you know, I know this came up last week. He came home from school. She comes in. She starts, um, you know, complaining about her the amount of homework, and then he'll immediately jump in. Well, if you had just planned in advance, if you had started <laughs> homework two days ago, you know. Yeah. Um, if you'd been well organized and <laughs> so on, this yeah. you would not. And that's when he said to me, "I just wish I could come home from school and not have to listen to all this whining and complaining." Hmm. Susie, I like the direction you were heading in there because um, it's harder to work on it if it's generic. Easier to focus on specific unsolved problems. Uh, when they are, when there's specific things that you're actually working on. Um, so, are, are there any? I want to ask our caller. Are there any things that, like, if you think about when your kids get home from school, assuming they're in school at the moment, um, what is your black and white, more rigid, rule-oriented son going to get on your daughter's case about this afternoon or tonight? Um. It, it would be if she starts, um, in his words, whining about getting her homework done. And what's his objection to that? His objection is that he has to listen to the whining. Okay, so that here's the cool part. Uh, not, not, that, not that the situation itself is cool, because it sounds not like something somebody would want to sit through, but that's a very specific unsolved problem. Your daughter whines about needing to get her homework done. Your son doesn't want to have to listen to it. Okay. That's actually a solvable problem. But now we've moved beyond general descriptions, and we're now homing in on a highly specific unsolved problem. So now it's not just um, working on the general issue of your son being rule-oriented but it's a very specific issue on which, quite frankly, he and his sister are irritating each other. Yes. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. And Any gonna, other I, specific yeah. ones that you can think of? Um, oh, I don't know. He complained she was chewing with her mouth open the other day, you know. So yep, I get that one, too. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I get that one, too. Look at that, the breathing one. I, I do some of these I, I understand and I have have fixed and I did try the day he complained about her whining and complaining, we did start the problem solving approach. I did talk to him. He expressed his um unhappiness with me. He said the way he proposes to solve the problem is just um not talking to her ever. And um staying away from her forever. <laughs> and um, I um, went mute because I, um, I didn't have a solution or I didn't have a proposal for my end. How old is your son? Fourteen. Fourteen. So I always say to my kids, when you go to college, this is why you need to study so that when you go to a good school and you move away, you can be on your own and away from everybody, and then you can make your own rules. Well, that's the advantage of not being a kid anymore, eh? 
Exactly. Exactly. But here's the interesting thing. Just a few other comments. Um, you know, obviously these conversations are much better had proactively rather than in the heat of the moment. Yes. In the heat of the moment, the best you can do is sort of um, say to somebody that they ought to just leave it be or relax a little bit. But that's saying to a kid who has difficulty relaxing about things that he should relax about it. And that, that may not be your best strategy because through his actions and through his comments, he's clearly letting us know he's having trouble relaxing about it. Mm-hmm. And he's having trouble being flexible about it. So one of the things um, I've done with some siblings is talked about what things they can do something about and what things they're probably not going to be able to do much about at all because it's just who their sibling is. And the reality is that goes for you know marriages, that goes for you know all kinds of relationships where maybe there's some things that you can work on and try to solve them collaboratively. But other than that, um, and I think we just lost our caller for whatever reason, um, uh, there's some things you just got to live with that aren't going to change very much. Um, and that's hard because um, even in siblings who are um, neither of them is challenging, it's an interesting life lesson in, um, so that's not going to change. I mean, we're kind of accustomed to thinking you can change everything. You can't change everything. That's exactly right. Is it okay to comment? Of course. This is <laughs> um, the parent panel. Just as, uh, you know, I was listening to you. I was going to chime in with, uh, yes, you can't always fix everything, but but it is. It's a wonderful life lesson about relationships and um, families and all of those things. And what better way to... Uh, to learn them, but at a younger age, so that you can start to accept and understand, both siblings can understand each other a bit better. There is great frustration in trying to change something that's not going to change. And I think we live in an era in which we think that there's got to be something you can do about everything. Mm-hmm. And there's not always something you can do about everything. Something You're right. Not only that, people want quick solutions. They, they don't want long-term. Yeah. Instantaneous. Exactly. We live in such a society where we need to be satisfied so quickly, and we want things done quickly, and we have little patience. So, you know, Dr. Green is right. It's really an ongoing, which is why I think Dr. Green methods are it's really trying to change they're Mm life-changing they're life-changing for parents they're just teaching us a way to cope in a different way when you have challenging children these aren't just solutions that you follow the book and that's it you have to really change your skills of the skills that i mean i was accustomed to growing up in a house where your parents were in charge they told you what to do and you listened and that was it and if you didn't, you got sent to your room, you got the occasional spank, um, and but you knew who was in charge. And, you know, when you have challenging children and you tell them not to totally ignore you, it's just a total different mindset. You're like, why is this happening? But if you really have to sort of learn from the beginning the way to uh, talk to your child, you know, do you agree, Susie? 
Absolutely, Sharon. Um, I would so, call it a very different way of being in charge. Yeah, you're right. That's exactly right. Um, but I, I think you're no less in charge with collaborative problem solving. You're just not in charge the way our parents were. Right. It's a different way. It's just a different way. But it's hard. I think it's hard for people to adjust. That's the that's one of the biggest challenges, at least for me, anyway. Yep. And then sometimes we, you know, we have a little bit of slippage. <laughs> we slip back. <laughs> and then you just have to give yourself a little lecture or, you know, talk to Dr. Green and talk to others and figure out, you know, try to get back on track. Well, and that's one of the whole ideas behind this program is that people need reminders. People need to be refreshed. Mm-hmm. People need to talk about life when it didn't go so well so they can stay on track and see if they can help it go better the next time. I, I think we may have our caller back. At least it's the same area code. Let me bring our caller from area code 914 on the air. Are you our caller making a return uh, appearance? Yes, I'm so sorry. I had to get another phone. No worries. My battery died. But um, so what, what I heard right before I lost phone coverage, what I appreciated was you said try and make it a concrete problem and try and help, in this case, my son solve it. So whether it is right. whining or or something else, um, if I make it less overwhelming and make it more more simplistic, maybe we actually can come up with some solutions. I'm not really sure what I do about the whining, but I know there have been others in the past that we have been able to solve. Well, and a few of the things you're saying, uh, I just want to tune up a little bit. If this is a problem between your son and daughter, then you become a problem-solving facilitator. It, it may be hard for you to solve some of these problems that involve both of them with only him. You may need her involvement as well, because after all, on the one example you gave us, she's the one who's whining about her homework. He's the one who's having trouble listening to it. As always, it takes two to tango. I don't know if you're going to get this problem solved if he's the only one involved in the discussion. I mean, my only other point was it sounded like you felt some pressure to come up with the solutions on your own. Um, here's the cool thing about collaborative problem solving. We all pitch in on the solutions because this is the problem-solving club, the problem-solving team, which means we're open to solutions from just about anybody. And now if it's you, your son, and your daughter, we've got three heads trying to come up with a solution that's going to work for everybody. Yeah, I you know I understand that, and that would be I, I think um, ideally we will get to that place. Right now, I'm still in the spot where I do a lot of the I think you use the word frontal lober. I'm the one coming up a lot with the solutions, just to help them even be able to start thinking of them. Okay, and that works. And that works. Um, but thank you very much um, for your comments for your today. Comments we are today. ecstatic we are that you called in. That you called in. Yeah, thank you. And good luck with it all. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, Sharon and Susie, we have uh, five minutes left in the program. Okay. Any other thoughts on our caller, or should I read a quick email? I think you should read a quick email. Sure. Susie, you okay with that? Absolutely. All right. Uh, 
This is an email that I received a little while ago. Hi, Dr. Green. I want to thank you for your book, The Explosive Child. Previously, I had been referencing a book called Magic 123, which along with a timer and a rigid schedule helped me for a while. I was relying heavily on positive reinforcement, but no punishment. Um, I had even made a game board from Microsoft PowerPoint for everyday use. My daughter loved this, but the explosions that were taking place several times a day were getting worse, and she is getting very big. At the age of seven, I feel I can no longer control her. Um, she has seen doctors, counselors, etc. Um, but I immediately began, after reading your book, Plan B, and it is settling her outburst considerably. However, I feel lost now that I don't reward her for certain things. It's almost as if now that she knows there's no reward, she sometimes doesn't want to play the game, if you know what I mean. Um, what should I do? So this is... If I was to paraphrase the question, a lot of parents go through this because a lot of parents do what I call comes natural and start rewarding and punishing heavily. And then when they're moving over to plan B, they feel like built like a fish out of water because um, they don't know what to do without their bag of consequences. Um, my bet is that you both went through that. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, still kind of going through it. Um, but what's interesting is now I what I do, and it seems to work most of the time, is if my son wants to do something, like go to the store and get something, or let's make some cookies together, or whatever he chooses that his need is, then I say, well, you know what, when you clean all the bottles off of your desk, then let's start right in. So in other words, I'm not giving him a reward. I am. He is proposing that he wants something, and my solution is when you take care of that, we'll get right to it, or throw that away and we'll get right in the car. And he goes right for it. He still needs that little bit of carrot dangling. But I leave and it up are, to him. Are, yeah. Um, there are some kids who that carrot is sometimes useful. The, the danger, of course, is the one that doesn't sound like yours is there at the moment. There are those who, when you're dangling that carrot, they're knocking it out of the way and knocking over a bunch of things on the way to knocking a hole in the wall and um, kind of telling you what they think of your carrot. Um, so well, they uh, all have. They all want something, don't you think? At some point, they all I mean, want if I say clean, matter, it's just go ahead. I have to be patient. Now, the the room could be a mess. It could have eight bowls in it that have food. It could be totally disgusting, and it, you know, it's so hard to go up there and say, you know, this room is disgusting, and it'll be like, well, you know, that's my problem, not yours. Um, so I sometimes just have to wait, and he, at least once a day or something, he's gonna, he wants something. So if he wants it, I say, if you bring the plates down, I'll do it. So, so you're I mean, being what people would call working. contingent. You're being conditional. I'm, I am, because it gets to the point that I can't, you know, he's, they're not little kids anymore that you can say, you know, I'll give you a cookie or, you know, you did a good job. You know, and when he brings it down, he's not getting rewarded. His own reward is that he's having a cleaner space to live in. Right. And and all I'm saying is it sounds like you're able to get away with it. And yeah, it doesn't always work. Doesn't always right. doesn't always work. Right. There's sometimes there's a price 
paid for being conditional. Um, Susie, any quick comments on that? Because we only have about a minute left in the program. Uh, yes, I just wanted to say that I've done tons of rewards and found that that's really not the way to go. Um, a very wise doctor once told me that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, just that. When things get better through the use of collaborative problem solving, that in and of itself is the reward, and you really don't need the extrinsic rewards. That, for me, has worked a lot better than buying And I must say, this program has been very rewarding for me. We're going to call it a day. I want to thank both of you. This has been a blast for me. I think we got to do this again. Okay. Until next time, good luck with Plan B. Bye.